Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Lots to take a look at the market trade. Of course, we all know that didn't matter what side of the markets you were following. The balloon and China, that was a big talk on all aspects of the trade for a Friday. We'll look at what means some long-term effects with China as well in this trade. The cattle inventory report that we saw come out on Tuesday. A lot of talk and discussion about the weather, not only in Brazil and Argentina, but the southern U.S. has got more coming up on this week's report. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. As you can see, joining us, Mike Zuzula with Global Commodity Analytics and Adam Ickeson, Doug Simon with TradeOS. And gentlemen, uh, interesting uh, type of trade. Who would ever think a balloon would have as much effect on these markets as it did. And we're going to start first with you, Mike. Uh, get your thoughts on, on what this whole thing meant as it moved from Montana into just really your neck of the woods in Kansas. You know, we left 2022, Susan, trying to shake loose uh, the dog on our heel of China's COVID policy and the, the idea that we'd get back into a commodity demand that, that was really strong and really stable. And we also tried to shake loose the Federal Reserve. And we had a policy meeting this week that I think did do partially that, but uh, the Chinese balloon, since it wasn't um, just a regular civilian balloon, and we know now that it was a surveillance balloon, um, really does call into question whether we're going to have some demand issues with China via trade policy, geopolitics, and and you know food and trade tend to get mixed up into negotiations with geopolitics. We've seen that through most of the 20th century and early 21st century. So I, I do think it's a it's especially noteworthy and especially worthy of tracking ahead of the next week's report because the, the trade is really factoring in a smaller world soybean crop and we need it because we are starting to harvest in Brazil. They're behind, they've got some quality issues, but as you say, the, the diesel and the dust is already being shown up in, in Northern Brazil with about 10% harvested. So my take is you've got a premium in the beans you've got an eight-year premium in the meal right now you're kind of at a level where you have to feed the bull especially with this balloon going over the united states and essentially going right over my house from what i understand adam and doug what about for you guys conversations that you were having with clients uh, as they looked at this big picture that everybody seemed to be focusing on what was in the sky versus what was on the screen um you know we we try to stay pretty systemized and not allow a lot of the noise to affect decision-making, but mainly as guys are getting inputs locked in and developing a plan, trying to get some revenues managed, um, get in position for some wild unknown market coming into the spring that we've had for the last few years, whether that means up or down, who knows, but it seems like the tilt for the last three or four months has been more heavy to the down from a forecasted economics and production standpoint of you know, domestic crops specifically as far as grains go. Um, so just making sure we we got revenues protected against expenses. Doug, what about for you? Go ahead. It's acres when you look forward to next year. That's where people, the commercials are thinking we're going to add 3 million acres of corn and 
add, you know, acres of beans, you know, coming out of the prevent plant acres from North Dakota last year, South Dakota. So when you look at that last year, you're looking at carryover and stocks, you know, being a just over a billion this next year, we could double the corn carry out and go toward 2 billion and beans could be up in the 400 million range. So there's more of a sense of bearishness, I think around. And so we're looking at protecting new crop corn and beans using some flexible positions right now because we don't know what the weather's going to do out here. But again, like Adam said, we're more focused on trying to, we're in the time frame. February 1st starts, we want to be pricing new crop corn, get another increment done and, and looking more from that way. We're staying open on basis because we do think basis levels will continue to be strong into new crop, you know, from early harvest. So we're looking at hedging and using put options in here now. Pretty much known that China's going to bring in more beans from Brazil later, you know, as we go forward here. So, and that's kind of been factored into our exports going forward too on the, the corn and the bean side. So, um, you know, I obviously Argentina's suffering down there. They're maybe, you know, five to 10 million metric tons below what the USDA is saying. Uh, but Brazil's got a big crop coming out and that's going to overwhelm what, what we're going to lose out of Argentina. Mike, do you see that as a big concern as well? I mean, a lot of factors being worked into this crop. No, I agree. I think, you know, you've got a situation where you've got a hurt crop in, in corn and beans in Argentina like you did in wheat. But the splash in the pond is a lot bigger in corn when it comes to a lower Argentine crop because they're a much bigger percentage of the total South American supply and production, Susan. So, you know, they're typically about 45 roughly percent of the total corn crop as opposed to about 25 percent of the total South American soybean crop. So I think this is where for me. Um, the corn is just being laid on by the wheat market at this stage, and, and the, the net short commitment of Traders Report continues to show soft red wheat managed money at the biggest net short since mid 2019. Those are, you know, price levels. The, these price levels we're at is in no small part due to that, and I'm kind of waiting for the wheat to come off that, especially with that big 21% drop in Oklahoma's crop rating this week by USDA. That really got no reaction essentially by the trade uh, for the week because everybody was so focused upon the Federal Reserve. So I think, you know, my mindset is be more aggressive on soybean hedges, especially if you don't get a good market reaction after those report numbers come out. And I don't think the trade would feel very good if we were still at 103 plus on world soybean ending stocks after Wednesday. As we continue here with the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, what are you thinking next couple of weeks? What should these growers be focusing on as they get anxious to get in the field, but they're watching all the reports coming out of the South? I think the, the fertilizer prices are still an issue that I hear a lot about. When I was on the road this week, I heard it from you know several different clients and producers that I met up with in two different states, and that seems to be the biggest issue. Um, cost of gain is another big issue for the, uh, for the cattlemen. And I think those are the two things to really work on in the short term, since we are coming into a time period where a lot of that stuff is probably not going to move too much, especially fertilizer prices. Adam, what about from an energy perspective? Should we as growers have any concerns? Um, you know, energy is pretty seasonal as well. Typically, you get in the winter, and it's, it's time to start knocking it out. Uh, diesel, specifically on heating oils, rallied back to the highs over the last month, and it's plummeted back to the lows in the last week or two. Um, so from a time of year and a value as it relates to what fuel has been for the last couple of years, it's probably a buy um, uh, as far as the board of trade goes. And you got to figure out your local market as far as the cash values and what you need to do there. But from a purely a 
calendar discipline and, and probability of what energies do and where it's at as far as the momentum of the current state of the heating oil would be appear to be a good place to be doing something. Do you have any any concerns about input costs taking a jump in these next couple of weeks as we start with planting in the far south? You know, I think to my understanding, fertilizer values continue to get a little cheaper. Um, as far as year over year, the Board of Trade is about the same price as it was a year ago. Um, you know, typically sticking to a plan and whatever you usually do from a fertility uh, management standpoint, you probably stick to the plan. But if you can make the economics make sense and it sounds like it's a little cheaper than it was um, and revenues are from a price side of things are similar to what they, the opportunities would have been last year, it should be a good opportunity to manage some revenues and lock in some costs. What about from a cattle perspective? I want to ask all three of you this. Uh, what are your thoughts on locking in some feed prices considering uh, we've seen such a back off on, on the number of cows that are available? Yeah, the cattle market, um, there's a lot of big carries in the in the board as far as the fat cattle market goes. So if you can get yourself in position to carry yourself through some um, hedge months, you can appreciate your values there. Um, sounds like, Obviously, it's the most important part of feeding cattle is what do you pay for the animals? So everybody likes to talk about the cost of gains and the revenues, but the one thing you can control is having discipline on what you're buying. Um, so buy something that makes sense to the economics, forecast your cost of gains in a reasonable manner and have a plan as to how you're going to extract, extract as much value out of the beef market as possible. What are your thoughts, Doug? That was well put, Adam. That was perfect. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll pass it over to Mike. What are your thoughts that cattle inventory report and, and these numbers moving forward? Yeah, I mean, the, the on-feed number was a, a bearish number for the trade, given how low we were on female inventory. You know, we're cows and calves that have, uh, cows and heifers that have calved are, you know, now 38.3 million, I think it was, Susan. That was same as 2014. That was the lowest since 1941 when USDA did their 2014 report. And so the trade knows we're going to get tighter supplies, but those front-end prices, I think, are still something to go after in terms of hedging. Um, weights were down two pounds on the dress basis on the weekly report. We're down about 19 pounds. So we're tightening, tightening up. I, I got to think that maybe we could make a move up towards that 168 level, 167 level in the April. I'm going to refigure all my numbers after I see the WASDE report numbers next week, because that should have baked into the cake, uh, these January numbers, I would think. Lots of interesting things are factored on. Uh, real fast from each of you, um, what's, what's one thing we need to watch going into next week? Mike? I think the biggest thing was the crude oil because that's been the one thing that's really led the market in terms of excitement or not having any excitement in the grain complex. And it didn't finish well this week. Adam? Um, you know, looking at cattle back to that, they're kind of putting in new highs the last couple of weeks. Um, if you're buying cattle and the in the revenues at the upper in the range, you've about got to do something to manage that. All right. And Doug? There's a lot more cattle up in Nebraska and Iowa this year. So we've been really focused on the panic that occurred down in the Kansas market, corn basis. And it's going to be interesting to see when we go through here, April, May, June, July, with the lower production we had here last year because of the drought, more cattle, lack of forage, um, where we're going to be on basis going into the April, May, June, July period should warm up again. The, the basis wise, we've been a little weaker here. So there's been a lot more bearish attitude, but kind of hopeful we'll see another wouldn't say panic, but another excitement level in the, in the basis market for the Nebraska corn farmer. All right. Well, lots of great things we talked about today. I want to remind folks commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investments. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.